0: Thank you. Everybody, welcome back to yet another episode of the Balanced Blues Brothers podcast. It's gonna be myself, Travis, joined today by Jordan and Travis, and I think Ola is in the mix for trying to hop on. Um, so he might join us like mid-uh mid-podcast. But uh from last time, well, it, things continue to get more exciting around Chelsea Football Club. Uh, and exciting is just a word I'm gonna use to describe other words I could use for us at this point um but right so we got rid of Graham Potter we had the goodbye Graham episode where we had like an hour and a half the day before reviewing a lot and that was all tossed out because Potter was announced soon after we killed that podcast episode and stopped recording so you know we have our goodbye Graham episode the next day we play Liverpool Bruno Salter growl or grow I'm not really sure how you pronounce that part of it was our interim manager uh former remnant of the Potter area Potter era, former player for Graham Potter at Brighton. And I thought overall, the Liverpool match, nil-nil, it was basically just like slightly worse Potter ball. Defensively great, created tons of chances, couldn't finish anything. Liverpool didn't really do anything in the match at all. Um, I thought they were fairly much just passengers in the game while we were in the driver's seat the whole time. But it's the same story that we've heard now forever, which is, again, we create all these great chances, but there's just nobody with like a 10 plus percent conversion rate in the entire squad. And we know how that goes. Those chances go left begging. And that was exactly what happened in Liverpool again and again and again and again. It was like our highest XG created in a single Premier League match all season. And we scored zilch, nothing, zero, which is uh, that's basically emblematic and... Basis, to me, it's symbolism for the entire season. This is where we are. This is where I. We've been saying this since last season. It's a broken record. The attack never, never improves. We can change managers. We can change formations. We can change systems. Uh, but the only common denominator is the players that can't get anything done, in my opinion. But I'll leave that. That's more of a up for interpretation. Uh, not as much fact of the matter. But anyway, other than Liverpool, we go in uh, that match. I didn't expect much. We didn't get much out of it. And then shortly after Bruno's gone, Frank Lampard is reappointed as interim manager, um, basically to come into the Gus Heenink role and be a caretaker manager. Um, yeah, the, the, the Frank thing is one and of itself and I'm going to, I'm not going to get onto that subject yet. Um, but I, I, I think that just a preview I understand the emotional sentiment and I understand why people are happy to see him back, especially in circumstances, in circumstances when there really isn't functionally nothing to be obtained or lost in the premier
1: league.
0: Um, so I can understand that side of it. Uh, but I mean, you guys probably know me, you know, I know you two, the host, you know, their hosts with me know how I feel about these things, but listeners as well, you probably know damn well that I think that running Football institutions on emotion and sentiment is a quite stupid thing to do. Billion-dollar institutions should not in, be operating on in, emotional, impulsive whims. Um, and I kind of think at many times that the Lombard hire is an emotional, impulsive win because the ownership has royally screwed this season over. And they're, you know, here's your piece of candy to get you a little sugar rush for the rest of the season because it's been shit, right? It's kind of what I think it is. I think it's an emotional manipulation of the fan base by the ownership, and I think a lot of fans a realize that, but b don't care. I, I'm more in the a I realize it and b I do care. Um, I'm more in that camp. I'm a little between those two camps. I just don't think it's an overtly positive love fest like everybody else does. A bit. Granted, I'm not going to matches, so you know I, I, I've got a you know financial obligations that I can't just drop and. Go To go to England for so I don't have the same sentiment uh, as many that are going to matches would have about that because I'm I have a different experience, which is not that so there's probably a breakdown that occurs there due to those differences. Um, other than that, we had another match with Lompard in charge on Saturday against Wolves 10 a.m. kickoff. Um, match just sucked. I mean, it, it was abject, abject terrible. I mean, it was relegation level football. It was eleven men behind the damn ball when we're losing one nil in the second half for large stretches. Um, players barely getting into out of first gear, going through the motions, walking, sloppy passes. It, it, it was just, it was one of the worst matches I think the entire season. Scoreline wasn't that bad, but I thought it was just atrocious to view as a fan. And, and even my my friend in the supporters group sitting next to me you know, the whole time. You know, I mean, we both still can play a little bit here and there. And that's kind of what you're both saying. We're like, some of these adult Sunday leagues that we play in are playing faster than some of these Premier League guys right now on Chelsea. I mean, just, just, uh, yeah, I- I'm just going to stop because I'm just going to get a lot more negative and I don't have it. I- I'm just going to end it there. I had nothing positive about Wolves whatsoever. Absolutely nothing. Terrible match start to finish. Did nothing offensively. Defensively, we're weaker than we were with Potter credit to Nunez on an amazing strike but terrible match terrible performance and I think it was one of the worst performances of the season it's terrible um so I think we can get a few more of our comments in about the match I don't really have anything else to say at all about either match myself I had nothing at all to comment on um and I think that we have a lot of listener questions to get to so we'll just get to those but Uh, Travis, what were some of your thoughts from the matches this week? I know a lot has happened, but let's just try to get a little bit of thoughts in on those, and then we'll just move into the listener questions because there's so many of them.
2: So I was super excited to get to watch Chelsea like during the week and everything. It it looked like what it looked like, right? And I, I would have been okay with sticking with Bruno if after the game. He hadn't immediately come out and said exactly what Potter would have said, which was the voice gave gave everything. everything. Like, I was all for, like, all right, let's see what Bruno can do until we get someone permanent. But then as soon as he said that, I was like, nah, he's got to go. And, you know, I was like – I think I said in
0: our podcast chat that I think that he's legitimately just trolling the entire fan base by saying that. Well, I
2: just – I mean, when you get rid of a manager but keep his whole staff, like, you've cut the head off the snake, but, like, the rest of it's still there to deal with, right? Yeah. And, like, you know, I was really defensive of Potter, but, you know, he he was given patience, and that ran out, and then we just put his backup guy in the spot, and it was the same. Um, You know, as for Wolves, like, that was a terrible game, but all this... Lots of people come out and blame Lampard for it, but he barely had any training sessions. The only thing I could look at this team and be like, Lampard did that, was the formation changed. Cougarella started, and he was targeted constantly. And Enzo was doing this weird halfback thing that really didn't work and very much limited Enzo's abilities. But other than that, it was still you know everything we've been doing for months now just with a slight little tweak and you know we talked about before we got on the pod like we probably will turn up for real madrid cuz that's the kind of team we have right now. we have a team that when the league is not going well when the title is not on the line they don't care and this year more than any it has really hurt us that they don't care You know, if maybe we didn't have all these injuries, maybe if, you know, like everything else hadn't gone on, like having 30 players at a time, maybe it would have still bottomed out at like a top four race. But we've seen this story before where we're not in the title race, so we just kind of phone it in until we get through. And, you know, then we turn up for cups like in the games we had against Manchester City earlier in the season, like we didn't win those games in the FA Cup or the League Cup but we turned up and we'll probably turn up against Real Madrid. And, you know, what will be really interesting against Real Madrid is if we turn up and do well for like 30 minutes and then concede, what happens then? You know, does this team have the guts and the desire to win the Champions League to come back from that? Or do they immediately go into league mode and go, well, we're down. This is over and we just implode because we could really implode against Real Madrid. You know, now of all times with them coming in before him and us going through everything we're going through, like it is not unrealistic to see us completely battered after that first goal goes in. So I don't know. Like, I don't think like things are nearly as bad as people want to make them out to be. Just in the sense of, like, the past week. Obviously, overall, they're terrible. But just in the sense of the past week, I don't think things have been as bad as they've been made out to be. But we really need to, like, start thinking about next season and, like, where do we want to be next season? If it's Champions League, we have to win. If it's Europa League or Conference League, we have to put something together in the league. And... You know, like, who's the manager going to be? That's obviously the big question. Like, who wants to step into this right now, and why would they want to step into this right now? I mean, the pieces are there, but the product is just something awful right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess my view on the whole thing is I... The defense is okay. Like, even against Wolves, and part of this was Wolves just didn't shoot the ball when they got in good positions, but... They really did not have many great shots, right? It was they got a wonder goal, and I mean, yeah, it's a wonder goal. Yeah, it's also Kappa who's really bad at defending those types of shots. But like, it was a wonder goal. No matter which way you cut it, it was a wonder goal. Um, I don't think the defense is bad. I think what's going on right now is two things. One, Travis, to your point, I think our squad just doesn't care about the Premier League at all, and seemingly they don't care much about the fans. And I think this is what happens where through a number of seasons, you lose all of your veteran leaders. One of your lo- young leaders on the team, Mason not who regardless if you think is he's good or not, or whatever the debate is, he's one of the leaders and he's not playing. Right. And so all of a sudden you're playing a lot of guys that just don't care. Like, eh, eh, or, or care, but they don't care in the way like a leader would care. And so, I think that's part of what's happening i think the other thing is our players are just in a goal scoring funk kai havertz has never been a good finisher especially for a striker but he's never been this bad i mean kai havertz is routinely missing almost one expected goal per match and i know like, you can agree or disagree with the method for expected goals but the point being he's getting good shots and he's just not making them João felix who up until this season has overperformed his expected goals everywhere he's been, looks like he can't make a shot from anywhere. And I think kind of those two things are a really bad combo, right? Having players that don't care enough to put in full shifts, like against Wolves, Fafana, Koulibaly, and Reese were the only three players that I thought really played well. I felt Enzo and Gallagher played hard, although Trev I agree. I, I don't know what Lampard was trying to do with that Enzo role. I think it was maybe to, like, simulate a three at the back and build up. But it took away Enzo's best trait, which is, like, his ability to get in good positions and make killer passes. But, like, you can't – I mean, you can't have three players that play well and five players totally play hard. You're not going to win games against Wolves like that and you're going to get spanked against Real Madrid. And I'm just, like, I I don't think this is Lampard's fault. And I guess to Travis's point earlier, like, I think Lampard was appointed because the football we were watching was awful. And I I think to give Bailey and company some credit, I think they were trying to make the fan base excited again, right? right? To make it that it wasn't painful to watch Chelsea. And... For that, like, I think round of applause. I also would not be surprised if there is a transfer ban on this this summer, and if there is a transfer ban on this this summer, it would not surprise me if Frank Lampard's a manager next season, and, and that's okay. Like, we know what Lampard does, and if we're in a transfer ban, that's exactly what we're probably going to need. But I also feel like I'm somewhat concerned that it doesn't seem like the club can really create a strong direction because right like Travis to your point are we going to be in Champions League okay well then how are we winning Champions League this season if not are you going to be in Europa or Conference League well okay but what manager are you going to convince come for those two competitions or are you going to be in nothing and if you're nothing does that open the door for somebody like not in this situation but like in sixteen seventeen with Conte right who came in basically just Left the league because we were playing one match a week. But what manager is willing to do that? I don't know. Like, that may be something you can sell this MbK on. Similar to how you sold Conte, right? He's a national team manager. It doesn't really, like, matter. But, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think until the club put is positioned to create a direction, it's going to be very hard to have a
2: direction. Yeah, I mean, I think since we're talking about Lamport, I mean – I don't think he's going to be here next season regardless. You know, even if, like, a transfer ban happens, and, you know, I've learned, like, I will never understand financial fair play well enough to know when they ban and when they don't, so I'm just going to ignore it. Like, it's an MLS rule until it until someone says for certain, like, this is happening. Um, but, you know, like, <sighs> Lampard's probably the best option we have as an interim right now. Because, you know, Goose is – he's basically retired. He's not actually. But he's been, like, doing management in Cancun for the U21s. Like, he's basically retired. So, you know, we're not going to bring in someone like Rafa for the last 10 games. That's just not going to happen. We're not going to hire Dean Smith to be our interim. Like, that's just not what we're going to be doing. But, like, Lampard can be that guy for now. I think what's frustrating is – it doesn't really look it like it's only been like a week, but it already looks like he hasn't really learned anything from the first time. And like, I know some of us here, like me especially, thought he was fired a little too early. But like, even in that one game that we've played now, like the same issue was there. Like, you know, like what we do with our press, what we do with our possession, our buildup and all that, Like they're all just like completely different ideas and they don't mold together into anything coherent. Like you can see how the individual parts work, but they don't work together. Like I think that this is a conversation me and Travis were having yesterday. Like that's the sign of a really good manager is the way they press builds right into how they want to build up, how right into how they want to counter and everything. Like it's, it's a perfect web or circle or whatever. And right now we're not going to have that, and that's probably the scariest thing when you're looking at Real Madrid's in the pipeline. If we get through Real Madrid, we have Manchester City or Bayern, and if we can get through them, we have most likely Napoli on the end of it. Like that is not when you want like no coherent idea. But that also kind of points to just how awful things got it with Potter at the end of it. Like even if these players can rally next year under a new manager. Like, right now, they're beaten down mentally. You know, like, the attacking issues, you know, everyone gets in front of goal and wants to pass it off to someone else to take the shot because no one feels like they can be the guy. And that's a problem. That's a problem that you don't solve quickly. You know, arguably, we've had manager after manager now that – they set the players up and then they say, Well, make your own decisions. Like you're the actor on the stage, read the line how you think it should be read. Right. And they're just they're just completely incapable of doing that the way we need them to do it. Do it. And I don't know if that means we need a manager with a bit more structure, like Luis Enrique has a bit more structure, or if we need someone like Nogglesman who, you know, he can set the stage for him like Google did. And then maybe we just need the better players to put it in the net.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess to jump on one of the listener questions to that end, what are your thoughts on Jao, Felix, and then to a larger extent, Nkuku coming in? Like, do you think they fit together? Do you think one of them stays, one of them, right? Basically, you think Nkuku comes in and Felix goes in? Do you think, like, Kuku's a guy that could change this attack?
2: I, I think cuckoo could help, but overall, I think we need a legitimate striker. You know, we need to stop doing this whole, like, quasi-striker. They're really a midfielder, or they're really a winger, or they're really a false nine. Like, no, we need a striker. We need someone who can put them in the net. And, you know, we're going to be stuck with Lukaku, whether we like it or not. Inter won't want him back. Who's going to want him on a transfer? Like, we're going to be stuck with Lukaku. He's at least an actual striker. And, you know, one of the things I can fault Tuchel for is, you know, even with Lukaku doing his nonsense with his interview and everything, when you have a striker like that, that has been used a certain way and you bring him in and you try to use him completely differently, it's not going to work. You know, we've seen how Lukaku can work and, you know, Conte showed us how Lukaku can work, but we're just kind of ignoring all that stuff. But, you know, no, I don't think Nkuku alone is going to be the guy cuz we need someone for him to f- be a focal point off of. I'd look back at his Leipzig seasons, like his best Leipzig seasons. And generally there is someone he's playing off of.
1: Whether Paulsen, like at Leipzig yeah. was, he and Inkuku had a great relationship cuz yeah, would he, just hold up that ball.
2: Yeah, or even like Timo Werner, like they've he's played off Timo Werner too and you know that's what we always said Timo needed was someone to play off of and You know, lo and behold, he goes back to Leipzig where he has that partner again, and it works for him. So, you know, that's – I mean, that's something to deal with. Like, Jao Felix, I don't think he's going to stay anyway without Champions League. And frankly, I haven't seen anything to justify keeping. You know, he looks very good. You can see the skill is there. But I'm not really convinced he's actually in. And and – that would be okay if we were talking about a player, oh, he'll cost $30 million. yeah, bring him in. But no, he's going to cost like $70 million. And if we're already looking down the barrel, yeah, probably not. And if we're looking down the barrel of like we need to sell players to come good for FFP, and we're dropping that much on Felix for him to put up, what, two goals? Does he even have two goals for us? I don't even know. But, you know, like that's not – that's not a worthwhile investment. We need a striker that can come in and, you
1: know, at least 15. At least. I mean, like, here's, I'll say two things to that end. One, I actually think when Obama Yang early on when he was playing for us, he showed, like, what a good striker would do for this team. Like, there's been a lot of revisionism about Obama Yang, and I, I don't know if it's accurate revisionism or not, right? Maybe he just doesn't have it anymore. But he, I mean, when he was playing regularly, he scored what, like, Three goals in the first three matches under Potter. Like, if like it was something great. A focal point player for a lot of our current attackers, even, right? Kai Havertz looked better when Obamiang was playing as a striker, right? Because that meant Kai Havertz didn't need to be the finisher. And I will also say last year, and I know this is unpopular, I actually didn't think Lukaku was that bad. I think when Lukaku played for us, he got in good positions. And because of the flaws in both our attackers and the system, we just didn't create many chances for him. And he's never been a guy that's going to score a lot of goals off few chances. He is going to be a guy like, you need to create chances. Um, but but I, I think like, he may be it, right? He may be, it, especially if I a Pisa thing, Lukaku is going to be the striker next year. Uh, and I will also say like, I know everybody's convinced guys like Kai Harvard's are getting sold. I, Kai is one I don't think actually gets old. I think they basically try to ride out Kai and see what happens this last year because I just like at some point you're selling too many attackers and you will actually have too few attackers, right? Because Polisic, I think, is 100% gone. Ziek, I think, is 100% gone. Um, I, I, Mudrick, I haven't seen anything to justify in playing minutes. Sterling is, we're probably stuck with. Uh, and Sterling, to be fair, looked good early in the season. Then he just kind of fell apart. Obama Yang is going to be gone. I mean, one of Mount Gallagher is going to be gone. Like, what is a overloaded area for us right now? You're going to have Mudrik and Madueke, who have shown absolutely zero in the Premier League that they are actual functional Premier League players. You will have likely have Lukaku, one of Mount or Gallagher. So I, I think in, in Kunku, like I think you have to keep Havertz or one or Pulisic or Zieck, like. You've got to keep one of them. And I don't know which one it's going to be, but I'm worried about the attack because even with like a Nagelsmann and Tifo IRL did a really good video about why everybody wants Nagelsmann. And it basically is like, whereas Pep is the ultimate width and positional play guy, Nagelsmann is the ultimate functional width. Like it's just as narrow as possible outside of two players that hold width and not at the same time, right? It's only one at a time maybe that's enough right just overloading the center of the pitch yes minimum width yes thank you uh like it, overloading the center of the pitch maybe that's what it takes but i don't know I, I ironically like as a guy that thinks center back is the most important position in the modern game i think we're pretty set at center back like i i, I don't think center back's going to be an issue i think be at least right now i think with matson coming in i And I mean, Kukurella hasn't been good, but he's a body, right? And sounds like is going to extend. Like, I don't think fullback's really, and Gusto's coming in, like, I don't think fullback's really an area of need. I think we need a six. I don't care what type of six it is, we need a six. It could be a Jorginho type, it could be a Declan Rice type, it could be anything, but we need a six, period. And I, I don't know, like, I don't know how you get this all in one summer after we spent what we've spent, but I do think the big hold that we need to figure out right now is head coach. So um, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that or if we want to move to more listener questions. So we
0: can, okay, we'll just dive right in. The first one is from Nick Khan at Nick Con tweets um, is asking, once the player clear out happens, who are we going to be better suited for in terms of style of play, Luis Enrique or Julian
2: Nagelsmann? Um, uh, it's it's Nogglesman. I mean, with Nogglesman, we need two players. We need a striker and a six. And everything else is set up for him. You know, at Leipzig, he started to transfer them from 4 4 2 to 3 4 3 over time. You could see how he tried to do that at Bryan before he left. He was trying to get more center backs in that he could play with three at the back more often. Three at the back is our bread and butter. Like, Let's be honest. We've shown very little with four at the back, and as frustrating as it is that we can't make a four-three-three work, it we're we tend to be good with three-four-three or even three-five-two. So, with Nagelsmann would just require less to get us going in that sense. You know, Enrique, I think would require more players. He would require the striker in the six for sure, but. You know, we probably also need a really good goal-scoring winger to go with that or someone that can play in that kind of area. And then you might even need, like, another midfielder on top of that to make that three-rounded off. You know, I've said before, like, Enrique will probably get us going, looking better faster, but we're going to top out. And then Nogglesman may take more time to make us good, but we have a much higher ceiling with him overall and I just in general think the squad suits him better you know I, I don't think we're going to run into the issues Byron Munich ran into where you know ha- you have like older superstar players they're going to buck heads with a guy that's younger than them because really all we got is so you yeah. know and also you know I keep seeing people talk about Enrique's experience but yeah, there's really only like 30 games difference between the two managers. And frankly, if you take Enrique's Barcelona out, I don't really think many people are excited.
1: About yeah. Also, I hate to, I hate to say this because I know it's going to piss Chelsea fans off. Chelsea is closer to Leipzig and the Bundesliga than it is to Barcelona and La Liga. It just is. And I think one Barcelona of the now. things Novelsman does really well that fixes the problem right away is his teams take a fuckload of shots. Like, he is, like, it's a, they don't take bad shots, but they take a lot of shots. They don't look for the perfect shot. They, they, and every player has to do it, right? People wonder why Timo scored so many goals at Leipzig. It's because he was taking, like, five or six shots a match, mm-hmm. right? Like, even a bad finisher, if, you, if you're a professional striker who can get five or six half chances a match, you're going to score a goal, right? And I also have a fear with Enrique, which is that, okay, what is Chelsea's biggest problem right now? To me, it is not the defense. And to me, it is not maintaining possession. I think we're very good at both of those. Could we use some possession retaining better in the final third? Yeah, but I think part of that is just, like, we got a bunch of 1v1 players. Like, you're going to have – Low, lower possession the final third than you want but I don't think Enrique fixes the biggest problem and to me the biggest problem is right everybody likes to talk about and me included we separate attack defense and possession right is if they're independent things I think part of what happens with our Chelsea squad is the attack struggles it struggles it struggles and it puts more and more pressure on the defense to play at an elite level for 90 straight minutes that when the defense makes one mistake the consequence is that much bigger I would rather have Nagelsmann who by the way is also a really good defensive manager like his Leipzig teams especially were very good defensively I to me like, Nagelsmann's like the guy that could actually be this six seven eight year manager Chelsea fans dream of I think Enrique's already, Enrique, it sounds like he's already demanding he needs at least three years, which to me is a bad sign. Every time we've had a manager that says they need three years, they're lucky if they get a year and a half. Because it's, a, yeah, I don't think we're Barcelona, but we're a big enough club that you can't just suck. We just saw that with Graham Potter. Do I think if Graham Potter had another full year, Chelsea would have looked better than they do now? Of course they do. But but you can't do that at Chelsea.
0: Yeah, I I think a lot of similar things what you said. I I I I think Enrique is a solid manager. I don't think he's bad by any means, but when you look at where his success came from, and that's what I think a lot of people formulate as far as their evidence that he is a competent and proven, experienced manager. What I've noticed over time is that competent, experienced, uh, proven. If I'm going to be very honest, I think these are just buzzwords that are synonyms in most fans' opinions for wins, titles. That's what this comes down to. It's stupid. The reason why this is stupid is let's let's just get some quotes from Pep Guardiola on this on this exact on this exact manner of things, right? Pep Guardiola said recently, "How many Masters or majors has Jack Nicklaus played in his career in 30 to 40 years as a golfer?" How many wins did he get out of 164, 18? Wow. He loses more than he wins That's sport, football, golf, basketball, that's sport. And I think it makes a good a point, a good point that if, if you're just going to look to see who won and who hasn't between is make sure who's competent and who's not. Well, I mean, Michael Jordan lost over half of his seasons. Didn't get a title. LeBron James has gotten four out of 20 in his career. I mean, there's great players all over many different sports that have played careers and, and lost significantly more than they've won. So I just think the entire argument that, you know, competent manager equals wins and manager equals losses, they're just – it's just dog whistles for that, for that old trope. And I'm not trying to say, like, you know, winning doesn't matter because it obviously does. That's the only objective of the game. The objective of the game is to score one more than the opponent. But to Jordan's point, okay, so we maybe have a, and you can't see this on on audio, but I'm kind of air quoting this sarcastically, but we have a proven manager, right, in Enrique and an unproven manager in Nagelsmann. I think that the issue with that, though, is it's just, again, this is where, like, the winning title, you know, shiny metal thing logic just really starts to break down because it's so zoomed out. It's not looking at the other factors when you zoom in. I think those factors are, okay, well, look at Enrique. What is he going to do for this squad? What is our problem? Our problem is goal scoring. How does he, with the squads that he has had in recent times, exert a goal scoring presence? Well, that's been the issue for him at Spain. They possess the ball 80% of the match and do a lot of great things and score nothing and go to extra time and have to rely on penalties or a late goal to win. Okay, I understand it's national team, right? But it, let's please not act like the Spanish national team doesn't have talent. I think that yes, they're not what they were in 2010 when they won the when they won the World Cup. But let's please not act like that team is not good. They still start Busquets and Rodri in a midfield. They still have a good defense. They still have many competent goalkeepers. Right? It's still something that he can do a trick with, and he has. But the issues that he has with that success at the national team in Spain are the same problems, the current club that Chelsea are having. So I don't understand how a tactical philosophy that's already created similar problems to Chelsea in Spain is going to come in and alleviate those similar problems at Chelsea. I don't get it. Additionally, I don't really understand why Nagels or Nagelsman gets labeled as inexperienced compared to Lucho Because Lucho's only real success came with the MSN front three, which is a team that he by no means built at all. I mean, he kind of just came in and was the next guy at Barcelona to continue on what was built in the the late 2000s. That's my personal opinion. My also personal opinion is I don't think it would have taken a very talented manager to come in and win La Liga with one of the greatest front three to ever play at the club level together. Um, Luis Suarez was undoubtedly the best striker in the world during those years too. Neymar was the best prospect and talent in the world. There's a reason why he still has the highest transfer fee ever. And I'm not going to even talk about Messi. Best player to ever play the game. Um, so I, I just don't think that the, the aspects that make Lucho proven, I think when you really think about it, it's not as impressive as it might seem. I think most managers would have won with that Barcelona squad. So I, I kind of think that the argument's very flawed.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, I'm gonna Like, I think Enrique is a good manager. I think Enrique should get another shot at the club level. I, I don't think Chelsea is the right squad for him. Right. Enrique to me is a guy that is going to need a squad overhaul and he's going to need guys that are really good at making decisions without instruction. And I know everybody hated how two cool yelled at players all the time, and I get that. I think yeah. our guys may just need instruction, right? It may not need to be getting yelled at all game, but, like, go No, watch. because
0: players, if you yell at a player for yeah. too long, they just tune you out and stop listening. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying that, but they do need a manager that's giving them instruction on what to do. Like, we saw under Potter, like, these guys, they're just not – the players on the current squad – are not great at making independent decisions. And the ones that are like, I will die on this hill. I think Kai Havertz is actually pretty good at making decisions in game. But the problem is he's the only one that does it. And so what ends up happening is nobody does it. And so he ends up like in weird spots. And like, it looks like he's not being involved with the play. Um, I just don't think Enrique is the guy for us. I think... Uh, I don't even know if Chelsea can get him or not Osman. Right? Like it, it, reality may be if we're not in Champions League, then we get neither. And then the door opens to kind of old hats like I've seen Mourinho rumored, I've seen Carlo rumored, I've seen Conte rumored. Nah, it'll just be or, Lampard. Well, right or or it'll so it'll be one of the old hats or it'll be somebody like Lampard or maybe like somebody kind of out of the England system like Marcelo Gallardo in Argentina. Um, or uh, Marcel Bielsa just went off the table yesterday with the Uruguay national team right right why do I, Bielsa shouldn't be anywhere near a major club uh, he just he shouldn't but but right like for all of the like debate over been and Enrique the reality is we may not get neither either, right like we may be in the bucket of old hat we may be in the bucket of totally new hat or we may be in the bucket of We're just going to bring this guy in, whether it's Lampard or Pochettino, and let them chill with the club for a year or two, and then we'll find the real manager after that. Like it, I want it to be Novelsman. I wouldn't be upset if it was Enrique. He wouldn't be my top choice, but I'm not paid to make these decisions.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, but I think it's very plausible that it isn't either of those two.
0: Yep, I hope I'm wrong. I'd agree. I think it's going to be, if it's going to be one, I hope it's Julian Nagelsmann. I think he's just as good. And I think for the reason that Travis really laid out that, what do we need? Well, that's really what Nagelsmann would need. Everything else is there. Whereas I think Enrique, almost all those wingers we just bought, don't suit him. Kind of a waste of time. Um, Second question here is from apex at apex crafter um, and says, perhaps a keep sell or loan segment for the squad in the summer Yes, I think that is in the works, Apex. That is something we did at the start of the season. And I do think it's going to be fun to go back and compare what we did at the start of the season to what we would now say at the end of this season. Um, So yeah, that'll be in the works. Not really as much of a question, but yes, that, that is something we're going to be doing. So if you're looking out for that, it will be there. Um, Next question comes in from cheesecake lover at parth 2010. Um, and asks if we had a summer clear out, name five to six players you would like to sell that are a detriment to this team. Uh, well, I've got quite a few I could list, I think, (laughs) but um, I I think that man, if we're going to talk about like detriment to the team, that's a whole other question. I'm going to say I'll pick five to six players that I don't think move the needle as opposed to just are a complete negative. I, and this is an answer that I'll start and then you guys can go from there with to who you pick, but I am, this answer is contingent upon keeping all of the same roles and positions because I can't really try to predict what a player would do in a new system or anything like that until I see a bit more of it. Uh, Kai Havertz has to go. This is not working. The premier league striker doesn't have the worst conversion rate of any front man in the entirety of Europe. Sorry. It's not good enough. I understand that's not his role. I understand he said it's not his role, but Dan, that's the role you've been playing for two seasons now. So it's it, something's got to give. Um, sorry, my dogs are uh, gonna lose it. So sorry, listeners. But um, I think I would go Havertz. I think you gotta consider the possibility of getting rid of Kukurella if any type of offer comes in. I think you gotta get rid of cool Bali if an offer comes in. And it, it, I, I would go a little further. I think Chalaba has to go because the at the current state, this is a detriment to him to just whatever the hell we're doing with Chalaba. This is a detriment to him uh, as his career is as, as, as for exactly Jordan, just said it in the chat. He has to go for his own career. I'm right there. I mean, right now it's a detriment to the club to have this asset doing nothing. And it's a detriment to the player to have the club doing nothing with him. So let's just do a best for all involved. Um, so I think I'm probably up to four right now. Uh, I think I would add Polistic and as, my, as to make my six. Like, get these guys out the window. They've been here too long. They don't move the needle. They don't seem particularly interested in being here. High is kind of in that group, whereas I think Cucurella and Kulabali are kind of in the, you're just not really good enough category. Whereas those other four I mentioned are more in the, it's not working for the player and/or the club's not working with that player, right? It's kind of a, a an issue where they're just not really fit for each other. So I think those would be the first six that I could identify. And this is I don't have a squad sheet or anything in front of me. I'm just pulling this right out of my my gut instinct.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll try to do the same thing. Uh, one thing I've just thought about when I say stuff like this is what players can we actually move on from, right? So I I. Think signing Koulibaly to be the Rudiger replacement. I, I said it at the time. I thought that wasn't what he was. I think in reality he's he is the Silva replacement, uh, and he hasn't been that good. But but I don't think you're going to sell him with that contract. Similarly with Kukurea, I, I don't think you're selling Kukurea with that contract. Um, we made. It accru- I think it is very plausible next year that Chilwell is starting left back, Matson plays the majority of backup minutes, and then Kukurea fills the Emerson role, right, where, like, he's there for emergencies. He can do so, so I think those two are here, uh, whether we want them or not. The five or six that I think are very likely to go and, or, and like, I think should move on is, and I'm going to start with the really the one that people are going to disagree with, I think Kovacic, ha- Kovacic has to go. So, I mean, we can sign players in the summer. If we can't strike that because we need midfielders, but if we can sign players in the summer, I think Kovacic can get you a transfer fee. And I don't think he belongs in a team where he's going to be the best or the second best midfielder. I actually think he's a detriment to the team when that is the role he's asked to play. I think Pulisic and Ziek are gone. Again, for their own careers, they're gone, right? Like, is another one, right? I love Trev. I think Trev's a really good center back, and I don't know why he doesn't play more for us. For Trev's own career, he's got to go. Like, he just, he cannot stay. It is not worth it for him. Um, I'll also kind of add to that, as I said earlier, I I think one of the three Kai, Pulisic, Ziyech is going to stay just to keep numbers. Um, I, My gut is that's Kai, but I could be wrong. Uh, if they can get a real fee for Kai, it actually could be Felix is the one that stays, right? Like, it depends on what fee you're talking about getting for him. And then that's when it gets hard, because there's a lot of players, right, that all of us would be like, yeah, let's just sell them, right? Like some of these loanies that we have, these, Lukaku is one I think a lot of people would say, they're not getting sold. So then you're talking about, okay, what two players do fans like that I think legitimately may may get sold? I think Aspie's gone. Uh, Whether or not people want to hear that, I think it's true and honestly like i don't think it's implausible that somebody like silva ends up going to brazil i know he just renewed his contract but you'll if nagelsmann's the manager having a 39 year old center back that can't press high because of his age isn't going to work and like nagelsmann would adjust just like twofold it but I, I don't know that silva's a starting center back under nagelsmann i think he's a rotational center back and i don't know in silva's last year or two does he want to be that and I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean the. I, I'm just gonna jump in for a minute because I I just wanted to get this off my chest. I can't like not say it. But like the the, the time to phase Thiago Silva out of the starting eleven was this season. I'm sorry.
1: And to be we, fair, we kind of have done that, right? Not not by intention. Strategy. He yeah, he got injured. But we've seen like I have no fucking idea why Buddy O'Shuley doesn't play more. But like. Fofana and Badiashile have looked really good. They've looked yeah. really really good. And frankly in a back 3 is the center and center back, Koulibaly is passable.
0: Who's going to be here who's going to be here in 4 years when we actually might be competing for a title? Silva, Badia Fofana. On that
1: on that contract is going to be here in four years. But, well, I mean it's not going to be it's joke. not going to be, be Silva. I mean he's going to be no, gone, gone. gone
0: soon. Yeah. So I, th- this is just where I, I and I a lot of people don't agree with me and that's fine, but Thiago Silva is on borrowed time, and the longer we continue to put him in the 11, the worse off we're going to be in the long term. So here's
1: my thing about Silva. I think Silva is a phenomenal defender. For a 39-year-old, it's unreal how good of a defender he is.
3: Yeah, nobody's disputing that.
1: Well, right. But what happens when you play Silva just tactically is you have more space between your lines. Because Silva can't – like, he doesn't have the pace to defend Supai up the pitch. It's not – a fault of his there's nothing like I'm not saying he's a bad player he doesn't have that pace if you hire a manager that wants to press high right I mean people forget last year there was a few games where Silva didn't play and Tugel was playing Christensen even when Christensen was playing like crap and everybody's like why is Christensen playing over Silva because those are games where Tugel wanted to press high and, right one of the things Rudiger like you do is play Silva because Rudiger had so much pace and so like the ability to recover that you could press really high and he would cover if Silva took longer to get back. So I, Silva may stay, but I don't think it will be in the role he's been in the, most of this year. Um and I I really I think there's you're talking five major sales this summer. I, I don't think there's really a sixth. I think Silva probably is here. Honestly, it may be four sales because Aspie may stay. I, I don't know how you get rid of the rest of the guys. Like, even the guys that suck. Like, nobody's going to pay Kulibaly or Kukreya more than they're getting paid now. So why would they leave?
3: I think the... the I, I don't really like where the question is framed because it suggests that there are players in this squad that are detriment to the team just by being there. And just if you look at this season, I mean, we're having a conversation just earlier today about goals scored and how our attacking output has has been over the past few seasons. And we found out actually that Tuku we, we, we scored more under Tuku than we scored under in any season really, in the in the past five, six seasons since we last won the league. So we scored its five goals in in that season and we scored some six goals last season. We've not scored more or up to that in any other season. The point I'm making is there's nothing you can point to this season that you can say, oh, let's point out five guys that are such a detriment to this team, they should be gone. The new guys that arrived this season have not played well. The guys that arrived in January haven't played well. The guys who have been here since 2021 haven't played well. The guys who have been here since 2020 haven't played well. So really, from where we are, Anyone that any club offers us money for, we should sell. But that being said, I do think there are some players that there's just no point keeping them around. There isn't. Aubameyang was removed from the Champions League squad. He has not appeared in about four or five match day squads, not even on the bench. He hasn't appeared there at all. There's no point keeping Aubameyang around. If we can sell Aubameyang, we should sell him. Christian Pulisic falls under that category. There's no point in keeping him, and Pulisic is not is not even up to twenty five yet. I, I I think Pulisic falls under that category. I think z falls under category. I think uh, like la- like you like you guys said, uh, Chaloba is Chaloba is is a, is is an interesting one because. Now, I'm saying that Silva is back from, I think, his, his joint training. So, we probably are looking to him to save us and pull us out of the Champions League. But he's 38. Like he said, we're, we're getting to a situation where we continue to rely on Thiago Silva. Then Thiago Silva suddenly stops being this world-class centre-back because he's 40 years old. And then we go... What do we do now? How do we how do we play without Thiago Silva? I think you're right. The time to integrate to phase out Thiago Silva from the squad is has long passed. But that's not because of Thiago Silva. It's because we are supposed to be a well-run club and we are not. A club that runs the way top clubs should run should not have Thiago Silva. Being their best center back and most consistent player at 38 at this stage, it just doesn't make any sense. But we can't sell Silver, he's probably going to go on to become a Chelsea coach, so I'm fine with that. I think uh Sterling. I don't think so. Sterling, Sterling just arrived. I, I can't I can't think of any player now that I would not want to sell. That's the truth of it. I can't think of any player now that I don't want to sell. If we get money for Kai Havertz, I'm convinced we won't get money for Kai Havertz. If we do, I'll sell him instantly. If we get money for... I don't want us to to make Joe Felix um, loan permanent, by the way, if we're if counting him. Uh, so maybe, maybe that's my five. But I don't, I don't think there's any need to sell players because they're a detriment to the team. I don't think any, any player on our roster now is a detriment to the team. I think we just have so many players... And the way Bailey handled the recruitments this season was he bought players in in, in, in the summer and then just bought five, six more players in, in in January and was not sold any player except Jorginho. So the players that we've been trying to move on since the beginning of this season, we've not moved them on. And then we've added more players there. So it's, it's all been a mess. We can't sell the players that just came in like Madweke, Modric, we can't sell any of those guys and there's no need to sell them anyway. But the players that have been here, the four that were here when we started the season that we wanted to sell, that we're trying to get deals for, I think we should move those guys on and let's move on with the players we bought. Because whether you think the guys that arrived in January are Chelsea standard or not, whether you think they are actually what Chelsea needs, it's better to just stick with them and, and move on with them and let's see what we can actually get out of them because Ziet is not appearing in the Mad Day squad. Whether you think he should start or not, there's no point. Sell him. Uh, Pulisic, same thing. Aubameyang, same thing. Uh, Sterling likely stays, but I don't think there's anything that I've seen from Sterling that makes me eager to want to keep him. So there is that. I just think it's the, 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 the state of the squad is a mess right now. It's a mess. And Bailey has a lot to do with that. The, the owner has, has quite a lot to do with that. We have bought so many players. We've not moved any on. Uh, players don't have space in the changing room, though they, it has been revamped now. So I, I should I shouldn't say that, but it's 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 all over the place. You get to the training. There are so many players. You need to select the lineup. Some people are left out of the squad. Uh, Think pieces are written on them. Oh. Should this player... Is this the end of this player's time at Chelsea? I mean, when you have 36 players and you can only select 20 for a match this squad, what do you do? You, you leave some players out. That's what's going to happen. So whether Potter or Lampard wants to use anybody, even if he loves all the players equally and he wants to use all of them, some people will be left out of the squad. And they will continue to be left out of the squad because there's just not enough space. So the squad definitely needs streaming. But I don't think it's because of anything that... I don't think it's because of any any toxicity per se. I just think there are so many players there. They are not getting game time. Their careers are stagnating. If they sit there and, and collect their money, the fans will say they're just earning a living for free. The, the earlier we can get players out the door, the better. And I'm not just talking about specific players. I think anyone we get money for, anybody that a transfer comes in for, we shouldn't say no. We should at least consider it. Because the earlier we train this squad, the better, the earlier a, a new manager can actually start working with the with the players. So I I know I didn't quite answer the question, but I can't really think of uh, five players to oh let, let them get them gone. I think the the whole team is 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 bloated and it, it needs to be trimmed.
2: It's hard to tell anything without knowing who the manager is going to be next year. But I mean, I already did this list in a tweet a few days ago, and I came up with without any signings, I had 23 players staying and, you know, several that probably should be leaving and that we're just going to have to take a loss on. But I mean, there's quite a few others that if a good offer came in, I'd take it, but I'm not really convinced like any of the goalkeepers, if a good offer came in, I'd take it. And I don't really know who would get to bring in to replace them, but it we're at a level with goalkeepers where they're good, but we kind of don't have anyone that's elite, you know, not anymore. Anyway, if Mindy gets back to that level, that'd be awesome. But And then, you know, like pretty much all of our signings last summer, if someone comes in with an offer that kind of gets them even just level, I'm fine with letting them go. You know, like if Koulibaly wants to go, he can go. If Cougarella wants to go, he can go. If Sterling wants to go, he can go. I don't see those offers coming. Yeah, Fafana, I would keep if he stays fit. You know, I'm worried about that because he spent a lot of the last two seasons injured. Um, and I know, like in our chat, we have talked about reframing this question. You know, who would we keep? Who is key to our future? And you know, Fafana is one of those guys. Enzo. F- yeah, Fafana, Enzo, Badiashile. James Chilwell. Yep. And I mean That's exactly why I would have to. Yeah. I mean, other than that, like you've got to earn it. And this summer, lots of players won't get that chance. They'll be moved on. There's no toxicity, like Olaz mentioned, but I think the further we get into the summer where some of these players are still here, the more we're gonna start to see it. You know, like ZH, we already tried to get out. You know, if it gets to like August and he's still here or if Polisic is still here come August, like I think they might start like poking some bears. But I mean, all of, this is really hard to tell, because if we get Nagelsmann, we're probably going to stick with three at the back. If we get Enrique, we're probably going to go four three three. So without really knowing who's going to be the guy, we can't quite make all the right determinations because they're also going to want different kinds of players for the most part, but well, not for the most part, but in some place.
0: Yeah. I think it's, I think I largely agree there. that it's going to be highly dependent upon the next manager managerial appointment of what we do and who we keep in the summer and how we plan around that. But I do think that whichever manager we go with, I don't think there's any, but I, I think that most of the main people we just said across all four of us, you know, as far as who we would prefer to let go, I think most of those guys are probably in that category, regardless, like, politics or Obama gangs or, or folks like that. Um, all right, we'll, we'll get to the third of the uh, sixth question here, which is from 11th Place and Lambs at Matt Likes Sips, um, which is, question is, is Rice or another defensive midfielder the key to having 4-3-3 work for us? Um Yeah, sort of. I mean, there's a little more to it, but I think that's one of the biggest components to why it doesn't work for us. We just don't really have that back line. Uh, Anybody to really help protect that back line. I mean, and if we were to bring in somebody like Luis Enrique, I mean, he currently uses the Spanish national team with two defensive midfielders starting in the front in the defensive, in the midfield three. So, right. I think that would be huge. If we were to bring in somebody like Enrique, we absolutely have to have a DM. I think either way, we have to get a defensive midfielder because we need an ability to not have Enzo stuck in a double pivot. We need him to, if he is going to be in a double pivot, if it's going to be a midfield two, we need this guy to get forward into the into the you know attacking third, and we need the other guy to drop a lot more and sit in front of the back line, and then we can use those two center backs to space out while the two wing backs really stretch forward and become basically an auxiliary attacker i think yeah i so to answer your question yes i think we have to get some type of defensive midfielder we haven't done it for a long time i mean Jorginho is a modern-ish i don't i don't really want to call him a defensive midfielder because he's not really a it's not really what he is but for lack of a better term i mean yeah, I, I I think Jordan just said he's a six. He's not a DM, and that's kind of how I view him, too. I don't really view him as a classical defensive midfielder. So, yeah, Matt, answer your question. I do. I do think we need to get one. Do I think it's Declan Rice? I don't know. I mean, I think we've kicked the tires so many times on that deal. It's just the money that they're wanting and everything. I think we could probably find better uh, value buys in terms of bang for our buck um in terms of what we can get with the dollars we spend i think the quality you have to think about quality per dollar and if west ham are going to survive the premier league season and they're going to say nope 100 million that's our price meet it or meet it or screw off uh i think you would have to start looking at other alternatives because 100 million pounds on a defensive midfielder is i i I think your scouting department should be able to do a better job than that i'm just going to say that i don't think a dm is worth 100 million i think I would throw $60 million at Rice, and if they don't want it, then I'd say, okay, well, when you get relegated and you sell him for $20, do not say we didn't tell you so. Or when he walks out for free, don't say we didn't tell you so. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at with it. West Ham have no negotiating power. If Rice wants out, he'll make it happen. He can leave in two years' time anyway. So I I think I'd be happy to get Declan Rice, but I think that the money involved would be the uh, the hang up
2: for me. So I would say a good DM, like a truly great DM, is absolutely worth a hundred million. You know, just like Enzo it was worth his price tag, and you know we've only had him for a few months. Like he's already shown like he's been worth it. But he, he, I'm just gonna look at it from a purely mathematical point of view. Without a DM our workaround has been three at the back and a double pivot, right? One or the other. So you're always accounting for five players or four players, depending on how many you have at the back, to cover for the fact that we don't have a DM. If we get that truly world-class, amazing DM, one DM, two center backs, and then you can play with everything else. So you're only accounting for three players. You have seven more outfielders you can have fun that you can organize around. So, you know, there's a reason lots of the best teams in the world, like if you look at the top 20 teams in the world, you'll probably see that 16 of them play 4-3-3. You know, it is still a very good formation. And it's probably the most dominant one in the game still, even with, you know, three at the back having its moment in the sun. but we need that DM if we're going to do it. I don't think we necessarily need to do it. Like I said, I think we're built for a 3-4-3 or 3-5-2. But I think part of the reason our attackers have trailed off in recent seasons is because we never could trust the defense with just two center backs. And, you know, if we're able to get that DM to cover for them, if we're able to get that guy that can hold things down and play that extra attacker, I think naturally, Even if our attackers don't get any better, just having that extra person to pull space to hit different kinds of passes, I think that helps. And I think that's always been the argument for people wanting Chelsea to go to four at the back is we get that extra attacker, we can actually put something in the net with numbers. But it all goes back to who's going to be that DM. Like Rice, I think we would have heard more about it by now if it was really going to happen. Well, we haven't really heard it about anyone. All we've heard is Nogglesman would want a six and Enrique would want a six. And until I see like a name that's like consistently in the news every day that makes me believe there's some smoke to this fire, it it feels like we're just so much more focused on getting players out that we're not even thinking about who's going to come in right now.
1: Yeah. I want to jump in here because I think, right. Everybody likes talking about 4-3-3 like it's FIFA, right? So you plug in 4-3-3, you say counter attacking, boom, you got your formation. Or oh, say 4 3 like, on
0: this, Jordan.
1: Well, well, right, but like think about, right, Travis is right. 16 out of the top 20 teams in the world play 4-3-3. And there is a lot of variations of that 4-3-3 they play, right? Pep's 4-3-3 is positional play, and if you're playing that style, exactly. You need Yeah, you need a rotary type, right? Like, you need a six that can do everything. They can be your playmaker, they, can be, they They are key to your buildup, and they can destroy. I think our key players, as we just talked about, right, three of our key players are Enzo, Reese James, and Ben Chilwell. And the big issue with all three questions, or with all three players, is they can't have the freedom that makes them best if you don't have solidity at the back. So if we're going to play a 4-3-3, that means that six, in all honesty, has to probably be a destroyer type. Like somebody that, yeah, they can help during build-up. Their main goal is they're just going to sit, right? I mean, I think Liverpool with Fabinho, right? People don't talk about it. Fabinho basically was a third center back when Liverpool are in possession. And, And that's kind of like... That that to me is what we need if we're talking DM. Now, I think there are ways around the problem. I don't personally think there's a best formation. I think there's kind of a meta, like in everything in life, right? Where 433 for a variety of reasons, mainly the number of triangles it provides you, is a really good formation for elite teams. I also think recent years we've seen Donaldsman, Tuchel, and a few others use the three at the back and you basically lose one triangle but the rest maintain their shape right and you get kind of a similar benefit it just depends on what chelsea you can get also are you, enrique's 433 plays two dm it's not a sole dm 433 it's it's essentially two sixes one six is more advanced than the other but in possession they move backwards and then an attacking eight. So it's, uh, I mean, you could easily call it a four-two-three-one. also. It just depends on where it is because formations are always fluid now. So do I think a six is the key to playing 4 three, 3 By definition, yes, right? Like we don't have one. By definition, if we get one, it makes playing 4-3-3 three, three easier. But I don't know that that's where the club is gonna say it's a best use to spend money, especially, I mean, I keep seeing Romeo Lavia, and if Southampton get relegated, he'll be available for cheap. I, I would love that. But guess what? If we're on Twitter, if everybody on Twitter from every major club is saying Romeo Lavia is going to be available for cheap, Chelsea aren't going to be the only club in it, right? Man City are going to sell Calvin Phillips for nothing. They're going to go after Lavia. So, right, yes, if we were the only club chasing Lavia, like Liverpool with Robertson a few years ago, yeah, you'd get him for cheap, like way cheaper than his value but I don't think that's going to be the case, right? I think Southampton are probably going to turn 70 million from them and get promoted next season. Like, I think they're going to be really smart about that. So there aren't these elite DMs that are available for cheap that we've been linked to. Um, And so I think likely the team probably continues and it's three at the back is you find a midfielder that, and it may be ostensibly a six, but somebody that lets Enzo be kind of like, that roaming like kimmich type
3: playmaker. I, I I agree with you guys. And I was also going to make the point that this idea of a four three three is not as straightforward as a DM, Enzo, a third person, and I think like like, like uh, Jordan mentioned, uh I think Liverpool's four three three in the in their title winning season and in most of the seasons they were they were dominating, is they had center, central midfielders who who played, who their, their primary role was more or less to cover for the fullbacks when the fullbacks pushed up. So they had a lot of defensive roles because they had, I mean, they had five players attacking, so they could afford to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what they want to do, but then again, it's, it's not going to be far from that probably if it's going to be Nagelsmann. With City, it's more a matter of ball retention. But I agree that the centre backs behind them, the forwards in front of them, have we really seen any forwards in this team that can just you can just put four three three and these forwards just carry the attack? I don't think I've seen. So maybe we don't actually need to go to a four three three. But I agree that if we wanted to go to a four three three, yes a decline rise will probably be good. Another defensive midfielder will be good or a defensive midfielder because we don't have a defensive midfielder in the, at the club at the moment. And it is... It, it is... While I think the... Maybe not, maybe not obsession, but while I think the 4-3-3 formation being floated around is... I don't think we need to play four three three 4-3-3 as a challenge for the league. I don't think we need to... I don't think we need to play 4-3-3 to get to where we want to go. I think it's all the manager's ideas. And at the end of the day, formations are not really that important in the grand scheme of things. It's just the starting point. With man, we'll probably change shapes a lot during during games. So I don't think it's that much of an issue. But I agree that whether we play, I should say, that whether we play four-three-three or we don't, we need a defensive midfielder. We need someone who can sit back and just let every other person kind of like the role that Rodri plays for Manchester City. We need someone who can just sit back and not be trying to dribble forward or trying to get into the advanced areas. We definitely need that kind of player, whether it's a 4-3-3 or or a double pivot.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, so I'm going to move to Carefree Jam's uh, next question. So it's uh, at Carefree underscore Jam. He asks, after a turbulent five years or so, how long do you think it'll take for Chelsea to achieve longevity? Um, I don't have a good answer to this that people are going to like, so I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. But uh, I think it could be a while. Travis a lot though, what about you guys?
2: Plan for three. No matter what, plan for three. Because I think these, we ran into this issue before. When Carlo and Conte won the league in their first year, the next year they didn't. And they were gone. You know, they were victims of their own success. And pretty much the only manager that that didn't really happen to was Tupel, where he won Champions League. The next year, we won stuff, obviously, but nothing we really shouldn't have won anyway. Whoever the next manager is, don't expect the title challenge next year. And even if we do win the title next year, if we only have one game a week, when it gets to year 2 don't be surprised by a drop you know this has to be a a project and i know people hate to hear that word but that's what it's got to be we're not going to catch city and stay caught up to city right away it's not going to happen you know even liverpool who as long as it took them to build and finally win a league title you know they dropped off the next year like it it's a process it is you know we have to build a team together, we have to build an identity that we don't really have right now and, you know, move forward with it. And, you know, it's good that we've gotten so many young players that can grow in this process together. But, you know, I, I know when Lampard came in, there was the idea of the three-year plan where the first year you survive the transfer band, you do what you can. The second year you start to build a team that can t- – uh, challenge for the title, and then the third year you actually challenge. No matter what, I think in year three of any manager, you need to be challenging for that title, like legitimately challenging. And that's what we need to be looking at. Five years, I think, is too far out because there's a lot that happens in Premier League, even like in two years. But you know, that's what I would look at it as. You know, a three-year cycle. Three years under any manager, by year three, we need to be in that title race. And that means consistently looking like we could possibly win it this time of the
3: year. Uh, it's, it's quite a little question. I think longevity, doing it for a long time. I think it's, I agree with you that three years is probably the ideal. Uh, I think it's probably can take less than three years because we've, we have the resources to get players in faster than other managers who have tried to do a rebuild. So I think it can take less than three years. As for longevity, I agree that challenging for all three major competitions uh, consistently is what, I would def- is what I would define as longevity or sustainability as, as the word is. But I think it heavily depends on how well Nagelsmann does. Because if Nagelsmann comes in and whatever he does, he gets sacked in three years. We're going to be back here. And I think we we will get to a point where it will just be a matter of a manager winning things semi-regularly, challenging for the league, and just staying there. If we are looking for long-term success, I don't think we can hold any manager, a Chelsea manager, to winning the league every other every other season or winning the league every season because City are, are not just going to go away. They are winning a lot of things. They have a lot of money. They will continue to buy players and continue to refresh their squad. Liverpool, same thing. Chelsea just needs to, like you, like you have said, challenge for the league title. And it's mainly the league title, really, because cup competitions are what they are. The league title is where progress is really judged. But I don't know. I'm I'm looking at Liverpool now, and I see a team who got Van Dyke, got Alisson, and started challenging for the league title, and still won only one in five. And we all look to Liverpool and City as the so you could be. What that shows is you can be as good as Liverpool and still win one league title in five or in six. So it's... I think regularly is a word that we we'll probably need to define later, if we need to define it at all. But challenging for the league regu- regularly for me is in most seasons, let's say four out of five, three out of five, You should be challenging for the league title, and like I agree with Travis' definition of being within with a realistic chance of winning it at this stage in the season. I don't think we can do it every season. Even under Roman, we didn't do it every season. We did it in most seasons, I think, and there were seasons where from early on we knew that we're not going to, we're not, we didn't have a chance of winning the league, but we just kept doing it and made top four, came second, or came third, or came fourth. I think in the it, it definitely depends on how well Nagelsmann does. I don't know if we will give Nagelsmann time just for the sake of it. I don't think he will. I don't think any manager gets time for the sake of it. But I agree that in year three, we should expect to see enough improvements to be challenging for a league title. We may not win it, but we should challenge. And it's it's probably going to be a three-horse race in every season from, probably from next season. It's likely going to be a three-horse race because teams are going to take inventory and take stock of what their teams need. And they're going to correct them in the summer or in whatever transformation they, they find themselves in. So yeah, I, it's a very difficult question and it's a very good question. But I think we would we should... I should say that we should take less less than three years because we have a lot of players that club didn't have when he came in. He didn't get a lot of players at once. (sighs) It's also a bad idea to be getting a lot of players at once anyway. But we have quite a lot of players now and and we all agree that the squad needs to be trimmed. But yes, year three, we probably should be challenging and we should be able to sustain a touch challenge in most seasons out of five or six
1: yeah so I'm gonna make a point then I'll move on to the next question or two points I guess then I'll move on to the next question point number one is for me I don't care if we're competing for major trophies next season I just want us to be fun again like towards the end things did get bad with Tugel nobody denies that But I remember when Tuchel first took over, I was interested to watch Chelsea, right? I always felt like it would be very cool to watch what Tuchel did. And that was the feeling I got when you watch Mourinho teams, when you watch Conte teams, when you watch Carlo teams, right? Like, there's something interesting when you watch their teams play. And that, to me, is exciting. What happens when Pep and Klopp enter the league is two things. One, the ability, uh, the the talent difference that City and Liverpool had compared to everybody else was extreme. More extreme than the past decade in the Premier League prior. And the worse, the weaker teams got better. And Chelsea never caught up to that. And I think part of that, to Travis's point, is Conte was a victim of his own success. I think part of it, too, was we had a fairly peak year squad where you didn't really want to sell anybody because they were at their peak. And I think that kind of bit us in the butt a little bit, but nothing you're going to do. Like, it is what it is. Now, when does this squad get to that point? I don't know. And I think part of it depends on when Pep retires or leaves City. We don't have players near their peak years. And so the reason I said people aren't going to like my take is I think we could be a long time away Unless we totally change our core, right? And so the, I don't mean Reese, Joel, Pafana, Barrio Enzo. I don't mean those guys, but everybody else, the, they're not good enough right now. And they're not in their peak years. So I, I do worry that, that overall, it's just going to take longer than people want. But the way to speed up the process is to have stability, right? It's to bring in a manager and say, Hey, this is the manager. And I think we tried that with Potter, right? You said it. This is the guy for the next five years. We're going to do it again. you got to get it right. And then you let those players learn that system. Don't forget, Pep didn't win it his first year. Even when Pep won it, like, his team was not as dominant as they were last year, even though the points still may have been higher. Like, last year, nobody was stopping City in the Premier League. Just, they were that dominant. It takes time. So with that, I'll get to the last question because I think it's relevant. This one is from Sky It at Chelsea FC Sky. Next year, it's very plausible that we will only have three players from the uh, yeah, the Champions League win a few years ago. And he kind of asks, so they kind of ask, like, what, are our t- what is our take on that? And I mean, I guess I'll start with mine and it's pretty quick. I think that Tuchel did a magical coaching job and we won Champions League with a team that probably wasn't this or they were a team that was substantially more talented than we have a team now but they probably weren't ever talented enough to compete for the premier league title and as those guys left i think you saw that and you saw it even more extreme so i think it is what it is like i will always hold that champions league title close to my heart like all those guys even guys that frustrate me now like hey like everybody in that starting eleven played excellent in that final. Everybody against Real Madrid was excellent. So, like, I love that team. It's just, it's not the team anymore. So, with that, Travis and i leave it to you guys.
2: Yeah, mine will be quick, too. If you take out that Champions League, there's not as nearly as much love for any of those players. I mean, what winning that Champions League did is very similar to what it did in 2012. All the older guys that won it, Now there was more justification to hold on to them. And a lot of them stayed for Tuchel and then Tuchel left. And then the younger guys that, you know, we could have built around, you know, they kind of they didn't really have the edge necessary to, you know, win those FA Cups or win those League Cups. Because largely what we did around the Champions League was we won the trophies we should have already. You know, we won the Super Cup, we won the Club World Cup. We should be going into those competitions as heavy favorites. And, you know, now we're left with this squad that's kind of in this weird place. And, like, honestly, the 2012-2013 squad was very similar. You know, lots of old guys that stayed longer than they should have. Lots of young guys that, you know, they're good players, but they're more – they need more. They need something more. And, you know, like Jose Mourinho came in and, you know, he gave them a little more. And then he got Fabregas and Costa and he had enough to be in Matic. And he had everything he needed for that team to turn into something. And that's kind of where we are now. Like, you know, we're maybe one or two players away from something special if you get the right manager in that can galvanize them in the right ways. You know, Tuchel was that guy for Champions League, obviously. But he's gone now. So, like, is that guy going to be Nagelsmann? Is that guy going to be Enrique? Is it going to be someone we don't even know yet? Maybe there's, like, some dark horse candidate that pops up from nowhere. Like, we really don't know. But I wouldn't get too hung up on, like, who is here for that Champions League because, uh, all. like I said earlier, two years in this game is a lot. And, you know, three years is a lot. Five years is almost unthinkable. So, don't worry about it. And you know, build for now and build for something better, and stop thinking
3: about the past. Yeah, uh, I think as for just three or five players being left from the Champions League squad. I think the first of all, I think I I think uh, departures don't matter as much as arrivals. Whoever we sell, is not as much a big deal as who we bring in to replace him or who we bring in at all. So there's that. I think the other thing is this squad that you know, that was, that won the Champions League, there are many players in that squad that were not even preferred by Tuku. So it's not even, I mean, Zuma was in the squad, but Zuma only played 12 out of 30 games under Tuku. Or was in the squad, he didn't play that much. Emerson was in the squad. And he's gone now. Gerud was in the squad. And Jerud was what 31, 32 at the time. Christensen didn't sign any contract, there was the whole contract thing. Rudiger also had a serious contract issue and we couldn't get anything agreed. And the point is, I think we would have challenged for the league under Toku. Because we've won, I think, the most points with him since the title winning season, the, scored the most goals, won the most points. We were going to challenge for the league under oh, Tukul. Okay. But Tukul is no longer here. And the way many of these things work is until you get the kind of... Until we got Zizel uh, and the, the rest of the sporting directors in, well, it was always going to be like that. And we've changed managers, what, three times after that? So it's only normal to expect that those guys will be gone. The other thing is, the point about players being in their peak, though I know was a previous point, but players being in their peak, I don't think there's any player that in that squad that you look at and say, we should have held on to him at all costs. I know there are still some of those players in this in this squad, but I wouldn't hold on to them at all costs. I won't hold hold on to Mount at all costs. I won't hold on to Habart at all costs. I I don't think the fact that there are so few of those players left is so much of an issue, really. I honestly don't think it is. I think we failed to buy players that are good, basically Bariyashile type of players. That nobody was really paying attention to. We brought them in; they were very good. We failed to buy players like that for a long time. And what we've done is we bought a kulibali that was 31, and we put him on a five or a four-year deal. We bought Sterling, who I think Sterling was not really going to solve many of the problems we had. And I thought about it; that, I thought I thought that at the time, and it turned out to be true. So I don't really know what to do with that. I think the fact that Chilwell is still left is good. The fact that Mount is still left is probably good. The fact that James is still left is good. Uh Mendy is good. I think these are actually the only players left from that from that squad that I'm happy are still here from that squad. The rest of them I don't think is, is that much of a problem, really. There may be something I'm I'm not um focusing on that I should be, but I don't I don't think it's that, that much of an issue. I mean, Aspi was on his way to to Spain in, in the summer, and then somehow he was talked into staying or whatever it was. So there is that. But I think a lot of those players, many... The, the other thing is, many of those players, people were saying we needed to do a rebuild. Many of the players, people were saying should be shown the door, we needed to do a rebuild, and then we won the Champions League, which was good. But if we needed to do a rebuild before we won the Champions League, we, we we don't stop needing the rebuild, though the rebuild topic is another thing entirely. But yeah, I I don't think it's it's that much of an issue. Yes, a lot of the players that I mentioned are on their way out, but I'll keep Mendy if if I could. We're keeping James. We're likely going to keep Chilwell. Mount seems to be on his way out. Again, I'm not I'm not overly bothered by it to be honest. I think it's more important that we get competent players who can contribute to the team now and in the future than really worry about the 2021 roster that's, that's why clearing out if, if I should call it that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you guys make fair points. I think we're kind of on the same page here. I, overall, I just think this is a different squad. Two years is a long time. And it's just that that is the world kind of we live in and, and, at Chelsea and is and a football fan in general, it, we needed to rebuild long ago. We didn't. Now we really need to do it. And that is now combined with having an ownership that's needed. Right. I don't think anybody here said Potter was the wrong decision when he was hired. If anything, it was the opposite that Potter was the clear guy that you would hire to replace Tuchel, And it didn't work. And I think a lot of these transfers, right? Like nobody in a vacuum thought Moodrick was bad. Travis and I had a whole podcast about why we were excited about Jao Felix. Like there, there was a lot of these guys. Madueke was exciting, but these guys just weren't, aren't ready, and they may eventually be, but that may or may not be on this squad. I think the guys that are we've identified in this podcast the five core guys. Maybe if things get resolved with Mount, Mount is number six. But beyond that, like it's just not. The, the team has a long way to go, and I think. Whether that's one year, three years, five years or more, Chelsea will be back. And I think I speak for all of us when I just say like, it would be great if Chelsea were fun again and we don't see Wolves-like performances again. So with that, uh, keep the blue flag flying high and thank you everybody for listening.